This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Uh, well, good morning, Heidi. Hi, Mom. Afternoon in your area. Uh, Valentine's Day is over. How did that go for you? Well, it went fine for me, but I'm not really bereaved. I mean, I think the first few years after a loss, it's difficult. It can be very difficult, um, as we've said on past shows, because, you know, we give people that we love Valentine's cards, and so when they're not there, it's, a, it's just a reminder that they're still missing in our lives and that we still love them and our love will go on forever, even if they're not there. Mm-hmm. One one of the people uh, from my compassionate friends group uh, had said that they actually skipped work that day uh, because they uh, didn't, you know, they took time out for themselves, and I, I thought that was good. You know, if if it was a special day for you and and you take time out, uh, that seemed to work for them. So I, I thought it was a good example of it is for you now. You need to take care of yourself. I totally agree with you, Mom. We need to have mental health days, and I just had a friend that I was talking to saying that she wanted to take a day off on her brother's birthday and she made the mistake of asking her boss who said absolutely not, even though her brother had recently died. And so, you know what, she had to, she decided to take a mental health day and call in sick that day. So we do need to take care of ourselves. I like the idea that your friend took the day off. And you know what? Not everybody's going to understand and, uh, you know, TMI, too much information. Sometimes you don't like need that. to... T- <laughs> you don't need to give everybody information about why you're doing what you're doing. Right. Sometimes we need to ask for forgiveness and not permission, especially when it comes to grief and loss, because there are people that are amazing supports, and there are people that don't have a clue and are not good support systems. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, uh, we've got a great show today on uh, life, love, and loss. I, I love, you know, I like that title. I was going to say I love it because I, I do, you know, think love is such an important thing in our lives. And uh, why don't you introduce our guest today? Yes, and I'm excited to introduce our guest because she has incredible energy. You meet her and you can just feel her energy. And her name is Jennifer Collins-Taylor. Jennifer is a social worker and she's also a brief sibling. Um, she has personal, personally and professionally explored the deep connection between life and death. And she is the author of Living Life, Dying Death, A Guide to Healthy Conversations About Death and Dying to Inspire Life and Living. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. I I appreciate the offer to be talking with the two of you this morning. It's great to have you on, and we've met you at several places, ADAC, and uh, where did we meet you last? A Widows Conference. Oh, the Widows Conference. conference. Yeah. 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 And and for some reason, Jennifer, I did not know, or maybe I forgot, which is frightening if I forgot because I don't usually forget these things. I didn't know you were also a bereaved sibling yes. and that you had lost a brother as well. So I feel so connected to you just knowing that right now. It does, um, it didn't does know that, a special bond. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it just kind of shows me that there is hope after loss because, like I said, before I met you, I just felt your energy and just saw you and you just have a lot of – you're very positive. So, well, I mean, you. there is there is hope down the road for people out there that are newly bereaved. That is That is part of my – strong message, absolutely. He died 31 years ago, so um, it's another testament to that, that loss remains. So does the love, but, you know, we do remember, and so I, I really enjoyed your opening conversation with your mom that, you know, we do need to honor 
the loves and the losses in our lives. Mm-hmm. And what was your brother's name, and how did he die, and how old were you? Um, his name was Anthony, and we called him Tony. And he was 25, and I was 21, so it was 31 years ago. And he died, uh, he did take his own life. Mm, mm. But wow. that, like so often, was a very uh, big shock to all of us. We didn't know he was hurting as much as he was inside. Right. And back then, uh, things have hopefully changed a little, haven't they? Absolutely. I, I, I hope. But yes, there is, you know, a, some, a stigma for some people around uh, death by suicide. Hopefully that does change, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it certainly changed you, as you've said. Uh, it has given you a deep appreciation about grief and loss and talking about it. And I know you do yoga and you do uh, harp music. You do yoga therapy and harp, mu- uh, harp music at people's bedsides. And you encourage conversations about death and dying, which I love. And I wanted to ask you, given your loss, Talk about some of the things that you feel that people can do who've had a loss uh, to help them move along. Well, the, uh, I, I appreciate you asking that question because we brought up both the, the yoga and then also music. Those are two great examples. We, I think it's very important for us to be gentle with ourselves. Sometimes we're able to uh, offer others, you know, compassion and non-judgment, but it's, even, but it's hard to not uh, judge ourselves, the things we say, the things we do. Um, and I think we just need to be very gentle with ourselves, uh, especially when there's a, a new uh, loss and uh, grief is very fresh, which can last years. So when I say new, I don't mean recent. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that gentle awareness of being kind to yourself, and that's emotionally, it's physically, it's spiritually, it's mentally, it's all those different layers that we have in ourselves and, and with our relationships, you know, uh, blocking time for ourselves like you that you've mentioned. So um, gentle yoga, it's uh, when you mentioned uh, yoga therapy, it's, it's not the yoga that we might think of in a gym that uh, is very athletic. And uh, this, Although there is a gentle movement, it is also about deep breathing. It's about, uh, uh, like I said, gentle movement and awareness, awareness building exercises of um, what's important to us. You know, and then of course, go ahead. Sometimes uh, uh, we speak about yoga, and uh, I always say to people, "You, everyone can do it. I don't care how newly breathed you are, because one of the poses is laying on the floor mindfully and breathing." That's right, <laughs> and that's called shavasana, believe it or not, which translates to corpse pose, and that's mm-hmm. uh, about, like you said, resting and giving yourself permission to uh, let go of what you're doing. You know. Uh, that might be focused uh, and, and difficult for you. Right. How do you were going to say? Yeah, I mean, restorative, restorative yoga is amazing. I think that oftentimes in Western culture, yoga is kind of transformed, and people think of yoga as power yoga. I personally hate power yoga. That's only my personal thing. But, you know, restorative yoga, like you said, Jennifer, it's a completely different thing. I mean, you can... You learn how to breathe deeply and get in, the, stay in the present, and kind of clear your mind and stretch and, and your body, etc. Exactly, and non-judgment is very important to ourselves um, in our yoga. We don't need to look like the next person on the mat next to us. We don't, we don't aren't competing. It's not competitive. But, uh, you know, so that's important to remember also. And, and let me say that uh, one of the things that comes up for me when Heidi says that is how differently people in families grieve and how uniquely they even do their yoga because Heidi's sister teaches power yoga. <laughs> so. Well, 
time for that too. You know, there's no. There's yeah, what I'm saying is though, you can't expect everybody in the family to do the same thing. Right. No. That's no. You you definitely can't, but I don't think she was doing power yoga early on in her grief journey. I mean, maybe some people can, but I think that what happens is when you're first grieving, at least for me, you know, it's exhausting to even put on an earring. It was for me. And the idea of, of having to go out and exercise feels overwhelming and insurmountable. And to know that actually doing this kind of gentle restorative yoga doesn't take a lot of energy and effort that would have been a good first step for me to move into maybe exercise if I had had that information. Now, I, I liked your book, uh, Jennifer, because it really gives kind of a starting point for people who have trouble talking about death. And I know that you feel that it's an important thing for a conversation for people. And I, I wonder why you think people don't talk about death. Well, um, you know, there's, I, there's a myriad of reasons. And it's, it's so fascinating to me uh, that I think a lot of people are thinking about it, and we are experiencing grief in our lives and uh, what I like to call layers of loss. Uh, the loss, we have our personal losses, but also relationship losses, possibly financial losses. Um, and some of the reasons that people tell me we don't talk about it in, a cult, in our culture is because we don't want to be viewed as negative. You know, our society has a, a great focus on being staying positive and and. Uh, um, what I call the wall of positivity sometimes, you know. So there are, sometimes we're concerned that if we bring it up, we'll be, appear to be, you know, morbid or depressed or, or even when we're just exploring it casually. So that's, that's one reason, I believe. Um, another reason is, believe it or not, there is uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of people tell me, at first, the first thing they say is, I'm not even superstitious. But there's a part of us that think if we talk about it, it might just happen, and mm-hmm. and and they call it a jinx or um, you know, or like I said, a superstition. But that's kind of interesting to me. Even people that don't believe they're uh, superstitious by nature sometimes feel like if I bring it up in public, even if I'm just exploring it casually or socially, that people uh, that I, that perhaps it might happen. So um, that might be another reason. Um, let's see. Another reason is that um, our culture really doesn't have the um, safe places to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the last the last uh, taboos in our society. Uh, many of the other taboos have been broken, religion, politics, sex, uh, talk, are talked about openly. But um, death is just, there really isn't a, a forum, let's say, mm-hmm. other, than the great, other than the great work you, you two are doing. Um, but, um, you know, uh, so when you give people a safe place, that, that makes a big difference. Um, well, I think, I think that is, is important. Uh, Heidi and I talk about safe people, don't we, Heidi? But I hadn't thought about a safe place, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, I wanted to um, mention in your book you have uh, kind of uh, words and then you have statements under them. And one of them that I think is really important is where you talk about forgiveness you say, say the words, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. There is no need to wait for a deathbed confessions. I think forgiveness is so important. What is your thought on this, forgiving yourself and others? Well, um, one of the things I think that sometimes people uh, wait for forgiveness conversations is because, well, they might think, well, that's kind of a small thing to forgive. You know, it might just be an infraction in, in something you said or something you did that doesn't seem that big. But over time, those build. 
they build, or more can be added to that with that relate with that same person or that same relationship. So I think sometimes it's kind of a building of um, well, she said this and that hurt my feelings, but I'm going to let it go. So, but but words of forgiveness are different than um, you know spoken out loud words are different than just the thoughts that you know I'm not going to say anything or confront that. I'm going to. Um, you know, um, and, hope, and hopefully forgive. But sometimes when those keep adding up, it is time to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, and we, uh, as you well know, as we both, all three well know, we never know when death might come. Absolutely. Okay? And, and so, that's kind of one of our gifts, isn't it, in life, is that we realize the preciousness of it all. I, I agree. And love is deeply tied to that. You know, if, if we didn't have the need to forgive someone, uh, then we probably don't love them. And I put that love in quotations because I have a wide definition of love. I mean love of friends, love of, uh, you know, romantic uh, uh, partners, love, uh, you know, is on siblings, love of parents, you know. So there's the love of neighbors. There's, there's a, a wide definition of love. And so forgiveness isn't needed just for these big um, assaults that we have sometimes uh, uh, have with one another, but... It's for the sometimes the small things also. Now, what what do you think over time? How has it gone for you all these years um, since your brother has gone? Do you have any rituals or remembrance or any special things you do um, in remembrance of him? And and how has it been for your family? Are your parents still living? Uh, one, my father is alive, and my mother died two years ago. And mm. so, one of the things is it was always always very important for both of them and our family. Um, but led by them, I think, uh, to talk about it, you know, to never pretend it didn't happen. That was the, that would be a great insult, that he was never here. If we didn't talk about him mm-hmm. in memories and stories, um, because our stories matter. And I know that's a topic that the two of you have uh, looked at before, but I believe our stories matter in life. And so if, if we didn't talk about him and keep the memories alive, that would, that was, I would believe would be a great insult to his life and his legacy. Yeah, tell um, us something about him. Do uh, you have any funny memories? or? Well, um, I think the most bittersweet uh, memory is that uh, my husband and I who had just been married like seven or eight weeks before he died, and so wow. our wedding day was the last day that I spent with him. Mm. And he, uh, when I came down the aisle after we were married, he picked me up and twirled me around. <laughs> and I'll never forget that hug. You know, I, it's 31 years later, and I can still feel that, you know, that part of that joy and, and excitement. Oh, I, lo- I love that so much. And the reason I do is because I know our folks out there who've had family members die are afraid they'll forget those memories. And and we've always said, Heidi, right, that they become more powerful. Right, because the grief no, does, no longer gets in the way. And I love that not only do you have the memory, but you have the feeling of mm-hmm. what it was like to be engulfed with his hug and to, to feel him. So mm-hmm. that's a wonderful memory. Thank you. Well, and and um, I, I do think it's important to also keep up the little mementos, like um, on my holiday uh, mantle. I do have a candlestick of his and a candlestick of my mom's and a candlestick of my grandmother's. You know, little, little things like that, too. Little mementos are always, um, I think, helpful. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, where we can find your book on the web, and about, I know you're writing for Maria Shriver's blog, and and tell us about all the exciting things you're doing. Well, um, I did just publish this book. Thank you so much for bringing that up. 
um, this year. And it did win an Indie Award, which is an Indie Independent Publishing um, Book Award. And that was a real honor for me. Um, it won the self-help category. And um, I, I, it, I feel good about that because it is a difficult subject matter to kind of get out into the public and talk about openly and honestly um, because I never want to diminish the sadness and suffering that is inherent in grief and loss and death and the dying process. But I also want to start this conversation to be more open to that joy and relief and release there is when we do uh, extend to one another both non-judgment and compassion about, you know, not only our ideas and experiences about our loves and losses in our life, but also, you know, what's important in, in living our life today and our legacy. So um, the book is out, so I'm out, of course, out uh, doing book signings and, and uh, marketing that. I'm also writing a children's book at this time about the same subject. So I'm, I'm having fun with that because that's my favorite part is that creative exploration of some of these ideas and how best to convey them. Um, you, you did mention the book has uh, what I call conversation starters, and I have 50 of them in there because quite often, as you know, uh, when we are grieving or when we're uh, going through a, a serious illness, we, we don't have the energy or the focus to read a full book. There are some wonderful books out there about uh, grief and death and dying processes and, and wonderful things to help, but I've noticed that it's very hard to write a, read a full book when, when we're hurting. So that's why I have 50 uh, conversation starters, and I think it's important to remember that the first conversation is with ourselves. Ah, great. Now, how, uh, how do they find your book on the web? Mm-hmm. My website is www.livinglifedyingdeath.com, Living Life Dying Death, which is also the name of the book. And so um, people can definitely go to my blog and, and read some of the writings there. Um, I also will be in, uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, actually, the bookstore is in Tempe, Arizona. Um, I have a book signing there. Um, but I'm very open for people just to reach out and e- email me. So that's Jennifer at Living Life Dying Death. Okay, so live, Jennifer at Living Life Dying Death. Dot, well, dot com, yes. Dot com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Jennifer, and all the work you're doing and uh, in your life. And uh, it's a wonderful book, and I know a lot of people will benefit from it. Thank you for being on. Thank you. You both have a lovely day. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Heidi, um, very interesting show today. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, Jennifer mentioned was that she was doing children's books because she liked the creative process. And, you know, that always comes up for me because we always say when you're starting to heal, you see yourself reaching out and it's that creative process. And I always say God creates. It's really our God, God given nature to create. And as we move along in the grieving process, we do find again creative ways to move out. But the most creative thing you can do for yourself if, if you're an early griever is to create an environment and an energy that can take care of you right now. I agree with that, Mom. Well said. I, I really agree with that. Well, thanks for listening to the show today, and please tune in again next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's open to hope 
www.thebibleshop.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.